Right. Now they've relaxed the regulations a bit, we can go outside. Ah, what, what's that? That's the sun. Ah, ah, what, what's that? That's a tree. Uh-huh. Ah, what, what's that? That's the cat. Ah, ah, what was that? Oh, God. That's Adam. Ah, Do you want to go back inside? Yes, please. Quick. Charming. Welcome to this another in a long line of staggering stories podcast. So long, so very this long. This is number three, four, five, mm. and I'm Fake Keith. I'm Adam, and I, yes, I am terrified of leaves. Yes, yes. A very, very short number this week because we have yeah. no no Jean because she just couldn't be bothered. Yeah, Scott, of course, is still dead. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Andy has got. A personal errand to take care of. Mm. We were really hoping we'd have him back with us this week, but we haven't. Yeah, we thought we might be able to get back together, but not this time. Maybe yeah. next time. Maybe, right. maybe. We shall see. Anyway, without further ado, it's on to the news with El Presidente. Mm. That was a very poor woohoo. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You did it. Okay. You didn't. Oh, oh okay. okay. Okay, Doctor Who news. Oh, yeah. Escape from your own home. (laughs) Some parts of the world may slowly be returning to normal, but social distancing rules are still making some things impossible in the UK. That currently includes escape rooms, such as Escape Hunt's Doctor Who Worlds Collide. In an attempt to keep things going, Escape Hunt has unveiled a remote play version of Worlds Collide via the power... Of the internet. A group of up to six players will direct via Zoom what they are calling a real-life expert (laughs) games master around the actual escape room to perform actions on your behalf. As in the normal game, groups will be time-limited to one hour to find the clues and solve the puzzles. The group of one to six players will be charged a flat fee of £60, you can find out more at escapehunt.com. That could run out very quickly, because if they're going to get all their real-life experts locked in rooms, they're only going to have five of them, <laughs> and then, then they're going to be locked up. This is true. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd, I'd be happy paying 60 quid for guiding someone on the internet. <laughs> yeah, true. It's cheaper, though, I think, than uh, normally. Still 60 if, quid. Yeah, six people. So it'd be £10 each if you six people. That's a lot of money to sit in front of a computer and get really annoyed at a stranger. <laughs> yeah, true. I wonder yeah. how it would work in reality. Hmm. It's not the same as being there. For one thing, some puzzles require 
or at least a benefit for having more than one person. Yeah. yeah. How are they going to do that? They must have changed the, the puzzles a bit to, for it to work with one person. I don't well, remember know. that last one we did where you had to, three people had to pull a rope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 You couldn't physically do that with one person or even two. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. It reminds me, was it Nightmare? Yeah. ITV. Oh, game. Kids yeah. Going, they used to have to direct a person Dungeon through a virtual landscape. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing they gave that game to kids because grown-ups would just end up punching each other. <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah. kids were brilliant. <laughs> right. Fallout, the TV series. Ooh. Can you imagine a world where everyone is safely sheltered away from... I'm noticing a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> safely sheltered away from a global disaster. Perhaps one day they might be allowed into the big, bright and dangerous world. <laughs> If you can relate to that, then perhaps you might like Amazon's Studios' new Fallout TV series. Mm. This will be based on the popular post-apocalyptic computer game series of the same name, <laughs> which sees you play as a character that leaves a nuclear bunker decades or even centuries after a thermonuclear great war. Mm. It is the early days of the new series, but should it get through development hell... It will appear on Amazon Prime and be made by the Westworld TV series creators Lisa Joy and Joshua Noland. Oh, so it might actually be good. Maybe. Has yeah. potential. Yeah. But yeah. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. It's quite a rich world they've got there. Yeah. But it's going to be a lot of CG. <laughs> I've never actually played any of the Fallout. Have so. you not? No. I've never completed one, but I've played <laughs> several. They're good fun. In fact, I got the VR one. Fallout 4, I think it is VR version. Ooh. Which is uh, quite terrifying in real life. I mean, it feels like you're actually there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I can imagine. Mutant uh, creatures coming at you and things like that. Did yeah. you scream like a girl? No, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> okay, did, did, you, did, you, did you scream in a manly, manly fashion? Manly fashion. Oh, maybe, maybe bellowed in it. <laughs> bellowed, listen to him. He was curled up under the chair. You <laughs> had to put his nappy on. <laughs> on my head. <laughs> uh, Earl Cameron. Dead. Dead. Yeah. Elston J. Cameron. Currently the longest lived actor to ever appear in Doctor Who has dropped dead aged 102. Uh, that is a yeah. bloody good innings. I think we can say he, he took his time. <laughs> good innings, good innings. <laughs> you should have been quicker. <laughs> <laughs> you horrible man. No, no, that's in a good way. Uh, okay, okay. In 1966, he appeared in Doctor Who's astronaut Glyn Williams in Hartnell's final story, The Tenth Planet. Other roles included episodes of Danger Man, The Prisoner, Jack and Ori, Neverwhere, as the Yep. Casualty, Lovejoy, and films such as Thunderball, the James Bond thing, a couple of Tarzan films, Battle Beneath the Earth, and even more recently, Inception, amongst many, many more. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's a heck of a career. You think about it, 1966. He would yeah. have been almost 50. Yeah, yeah. Good grief, yeah. and he's still going. And he was still going up to Inception, which is what, 2012 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a hell of a career. That is, mm. that is outstanding. Yeah. Cameron was born in 1917, Bermuda, before becoming one of the first major black actors in British cinema. He's probably, probably one of the first black characters in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think now. Yeah, yeah he probably was. First Hartnell's era was a pretty white. Yeah. 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 And I know we, uh, when we reviewed Tomb of the Cyberman, we made a point of pointing out that there was a, a black actor Toberman. in that. Yeah. Uh, and that was obviously a couple of years or so later, wasn't it? Yeah. But it's an astronaut as well. So it was, it wasn't sort of a minor character. 
Mm. He was a, no. a major no. character. Yeah. And back, back in the 50s, I, I seem to remember reading, he was in a play on TV, I think was it a film, where he was in a, a mixed race relationship. Which back yeah. in, the in the 50s. 50s. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So all that stuff about Star Trek from the first interracial kiss. <laughs> nah. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> Any more news? I have an addendum. As do I. Oh, what's your oh, addendum? Oh, mine, mine's more of a statement. Oh, oh God. I, <laughs> right. Look, I told you I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um... About must be about a week ago now, a couple of weeks ago, I purchased The Last of Us Two for the PS4. Not quite Last of Us. Well, I've already played The Last of Us, (laughs) and um, it's if you don't know what it's about, it's basically as always um, post-apocalyptic. Infection is sweeping the planet, and people are turning into these really gross, pustule-ridden zombie-type things. Who, if they bite you, you're going to die. And it focuses. um, The first one centered around a little girl called Ellie, who was immune. She knew this. Mm-hmm. because she'd been bitten and hadn't mm-hmm. died and her father figure Joel who was taking her to um a group of people who thought they could find a cure because she's mm-hmm. immune anyway the second version of this is a few years later and it came out a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and the creators have received death threats from <laughs> morons yeah. Yeah. who didn't like the way the story went. Uh, it was incredible, uh. this game. It was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I mean, I blamed Keith for, you know, the many, fact, things. many, many things in that game, mainly focusing around my inability to fire a shotgun from close range. <laughs> but I cannot understand the mentality of people who would send such hate and abuse to people because yeah. of a stupid computer game. The game, yeah. Well, so yeah. my statement is, sort your bloody lives out. Well, Thank you. Look at, <laughs> look, look at Star Wars and how that's got so toxic it is. Oh, it's some people, though. I mean, if you don't <laughs> like it, say you don't like it and give a yeah. long list of reasons why. You don't send death threats to people. No, that, that is going a tad too far. Just, yeah. a, just an inch <laughs> too far, I think. Anyway, yeah. Keith, what was your uh, addendum? I'm not sure I should say it now, you know, it's got nothing. Um, Is it your list of people you sent death threats to because you didn't yeah, like the yeah, games? Yeah. No. Star Trek. Dead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Your death they, threats to J.J. Abrams. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they seem to be slightly jealous of the Time Lord Victorious thing that is going on. Right. So they have, uh, or they are producing, probably already produced by the time you listen to this, mm-hmm. Day of Honor, which again, it seems to be a cross-platform thing, starting with uh, Star Trek Online, or will also go to the, the figures and I think various books as well. Okay, but not involve the TV series? Not involving the TV series at the moment. Interesting. Presumably these people would have planned this some months ago, so... Yeah, it's I odd think that so. Star Wars is doing it, Doctor Who's doing it now, Star Trek is doing it. Yeah, it, hmm. seems, it seems to be the latest in thing, the latest fad, is to do a cross-platform, to try to get us to buy as much stuff as possible. Yeah. It's working, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it is possibly working. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I do wonder. I definitely feel a bit put off by the whole Time of Victorious thing. Yeah. It does feel a bit too cash-in to me, but... Oh, is that yeah, the, mul- is good is stuff that the multi-platform thing? That's the multi-platform thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's shamelessly cashing yeah. in. Yeah. Okay, any more news? Nope, nope. I don't think I'm so. so I'm a dem- and That is the end of the news. Aww. Is that all right, turning off? Oh. <laughs> right, as, as always, we've been watching some Blu-rays <laughs> because, you know, we're old and that's all we're capable of doing these Knackered. days. Yeah. Blu-rays? I haven't got this one on Blu-ray. No, oh, haven't you? No, nor have we. It was a DVD. Yeah. I <laughs> yes. just completely lied to everyone. Anyway... <laughs> 
we had a look at our long list of Doctor Who episodes that we had watched. Yeah. And the much shorter list of Doctor Who episodes we hadn't reviewed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And decided amongst us that we would watch Underworld. Hang on. I I really (laughs) think I need to remind you. The deciding factor was Adam because he hadn't watched Underworld. I'd never seen Underworld. Yeah. That was the deciding factor. That's who you've got to blame. Pause for music. <laughs> we sat down and watched this. And I must yes. admit, on the first night we tried to watch this, I'd had a really, really busy day and was asleep within 20 minutes. So mm. we tried again a couple of days later. And something amazing happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have found an episode of Doctor Who that I care so little about <laughs> that I will never, ever watch it again. <laughs> wow, that bad, eh? Yeah, it has not got a good reputation, as to be said. I'm not I, surprised. I wasn't aware of that. It was so dull. There was, it was just, yeah. oh. I, I would like... Which is the worst thing a Doctor Who episode can be. I would like to point out that it's a sort of a precursor to Horns of Nymon, so what more do you expect? <laughs> Horns, Horns of, of Nymon without the comedy. Horns of Nymon was genius <laughs> compared to this. I had no sympathy for any of the characters. Once you'd worked out no. in the first five seconds that it was based you know, around Jason and the Argonauts. Yes. That was that was the only surprise of the entire story, and it was gone. The characters were unlikable. The story itself was weak. Mm. And the only saving grace I found in the entire thing was um, Louise Jameson's acting when Leela had been put under the um, <laughs> pacifier curse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some good ideas in here. That pacifier in particular, what a wonderful idea, but they never use it again after that, that scene. Yeah. Yeah. They said they use normal weapons. Why aren't you using it on the exactly. people on the, the planet? Save killing them, pacify them, and get them to sit in a corner. Yeah. I think that there is Very a line well. in the script that it needs a colossal amount of energy, so it's not actually taken from... It needs the ship's batteries. It's not portable. And yet mm. they pointed it at Leela without so much as a buy your leave, and then used it on that Herrick character because <laughs> yeah. because he got a bit cross <laughs> yeah oh we should say the basic plot to people who don't know jason go on, and go on then you say it i can't bear it <laughs> there is a team of four minions not Ahoy! not the yellow not the yellow guys with the uh, the big eyes who uh for a hundred thousand years have been chasing a signal from an earlier ship which has their their gene bank genetic material so they can rebuild the, the race and finally they catch up with it just as the doctor and leader board of course. I don't quite know why it takes 100,000 years, but there because we go. Because the navigator was rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, they kept losing the signal. The ship they are chasing has been there so long that it's turned into the core of a planet. Doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> you know, it takes, it takes a while, and it takes a lot longer than 100,000 years. You would have thought. <laughs> yeah. They crash into the... The heart of this planet, the solid core, has got this sort of slurry around it, and they go off in search of their uh, golden fleece, their, uh, their, their golden gene banks. Yeah. And the natives are less than receptive to them. In fact, they don't really seem to come with any dialogue at all. They don't try to talk to them. They just... Shot at them. Just, just shoot at each other. Yeah, and run around in. a lot. They don't explain, oh, we're, we're your long-lost cousins or forebears or whatever. We've, we've come to put the race back together. Yeah, no, it's just shoot, shoot, shoot. It's over it's, there. No, it's not. Yeah. Bang. Because these guys, 100,000 years ago, saw the Time Lords as gods. Mm. And yeah. that wasn't really explored either. No. No. A lot, lot is left hanging in the balance. I mean, the minion planet was is destroyed. That's why they need the race bank. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> but it was uh, because the Time Lords came along and thought they'd give them a lot of technology before they were ready for it. And it was one of the reasons for the Time Lords rule of non-intervention. They broke the yes. Prime Directive. They, they broke, yes. well, it was before they instigated the Prime Directive. Kirk would have been proud. <laughs> mm, must have Lord President grew. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think because of the not talking and shooty shooties, they, they uh, my mind they inherited and took over a lot of the Time Lord arrogance. They mm. they won't listen to us, so we're not going to bother talking to them. Yeah. So I knew of this story just from that fact that Minios was influenced by the Time Lords back in history. Yeah. And that's mm. why the non-intervention thing. So I knew that probably from the old Fazza book. Actually, from the Fazer role-playing game. Yeah. So I expected more of that, but after the first episode, that's not referenced again at all, is it? Really? No. It's just that yeah. brief, yeah, that brief moment when they arrive and uh, just, just throw away. They, they picked up the sound of the TARDIS, didn't they? Yeah. And it yeah. was the the chariot of the gods. Mm. And I love the fact yeah. that on this this ship, they've got this huge bit of machinery just for identifying sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and they asked, "Did it come from inside or outside the ship?" It's a sound. It didn't come from outside the ship. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the problems with this is it's very much built for or written for the format of showing it in 25 minute increments yeah we didn't manage that yeah, yeah a week apart so you forget how rubbish exactly. each episode yeah. is yeah yeah every episode underran yeah the longest one was 22 minutes 53 the shortest one 21 27 it's uh, ridiculous you, you, isn't you it you can they tell that cut it down you can tell yeah. that by the amount of recaps they get longer each episode yeah so, that's including the recaps yeah. so that it's, recaps essentially they could have cut this down to two episodes two vaguely vaguely strong episodes and had another story as well, well <laughs> i think what, money was clearly one of the problems one of the major problems with this is the fact that they had no budget yeah i could tell That's, yeah really that good. that is because you have the um virtual the first time it was used virtual sets kind of Ooh. they they had used it a bit before obviously poetry did a lot of cso yeah uh, there was that stuff in uh, invisible enemy yeah but besides the uh the ship hmm. Everything in it is virtual. The the only sets Pretty in it much. are the TARDIS and these two ships. Is there any corridors at all inside no. the ship? The corridors inside the ship, yes, but all the cave work, which is the majority, yeah, yeah. is a, a camera pointing at the picture and everyone else on the green screen. Clearly, blatantly, yeah. <laughs> See, that's the only interesting thing about that episode, and I didn't know it till it's, now. It's a technique that is reused by George Lucas for the Phantom Menace films, and also <laughs> uh, Mandalorian, because they, yeah. they do an advanced version of it, but it's with a massive television screens yeah mandalorian they it's really well done oh yeah because, yeah because the actors can actually see to an extent distorted but they can see yeah. their surroundings here they are literally on a blue screen as you can tell by i think canine's head quickly disappears at one point oh does it <laughs> and uh i think a few legs and feet disappear <laughs> So there is one scene where they come into frame from the left and they're walking through rock yeah oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> They tried their best. They, yeah. It's interesting. They spent a lot more time filming this stuff. And yeah. they, they started filming like three in the afternoon through to gone 10 o'clock at night, mm. which is unheard of. To, they well, just yeah, go they beyond 10 p.m. Uh, power. 
Yeah. And then they took an entire other studio whilst it was being kitted out with different programs sets and used the control room to, to do the mastering of all the laser bolts, stuff like that. Oh, wow. So a lot of, a lot of effort went into it, but it was very much to save money. They couldn't afford to build a cave set even. Yeah. I mean, yeah, cave well, sets on, on classic who are 10 a penny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the, when, when was it? 77, 78? Yeah. At, 78, the, the, yeah. According wow. to what I've read, it's that's when inflation was at its height. So, yeah. uh, so the standard budget that they would get wasn't getting the same bang for its buck. Mm. Which I think you also see somewhat in the next story, the final one of the season, Invasion of the Time, particularly the stuff running around the TARDIS. I got but, chocolate uh, on my keyboard. It's a country and western <laughs> song. I got chocolate on my keyboard and it's tasty. I'm a licking it up because I don't want to waste it. That was very good for off the cuff. That was. I am impressed. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Anyway, back to the majesty that is Underworld. But even when they're running around the CSO sets, there's no urgency to anything they're doing. No. They are just ambling. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a perfect opportunity for K9. He's on a flat studio floor in a cave. Yeah. Yeah, but yet do he's, more. they're still just trundling around doing nothing. And ridiculously noisy, isn't he? Oh God, yeah, he yeah. was noisy. This is early yeah. Shush. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Why, it just seemed more noisy in this one than, yeah. than in others. <laughs> yeah, this is directly after Sun Makers, which we covered only yeah. a few podcasts ago. Which was so many leagues better than this. Yeah, although also saw some budget issues with the uh, the Rebels set and what have you. Yeah, but the but story is more here. than made up for it. Yeah. Really? It's also something you said about Blake 7. I say many things I don't, about no, Blake the, 7. The, the, the oh, difference. yeah, 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 yeah. Tom Baker once said the only difference between Blake 7 and Doctor Who was he wasn't in Blake 7. And this <laughs> was Blake 7 with the Doctor and Leela. The, very it was look, the chunky the looks, ships. the sounds, yeah. everything. It was, it was a Blake 7 even, episode. Even the music. Yeah, well, exactly. It was the same. It was the music of the time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Deadly Dudley again. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, and is that the first time Leela had that? outfit oh i don't know i don't know <laughs> trust you to notice that yeah it did seem particularly distracting for the first couple of episodes i would say <laughs> maybe because nothing else going on I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also this thing about another mad computer yeah which didn't really further the plot any there's no reason for the mad computer yeah. it could just have been local people who are just taken against the the invading force the, the newcomers but no there's a mad computer there too if in doubt chuck in a mad computer <laughs> <laughs> with a couple of robots who were covering their heads with cloths, so you didn't I, know they were robots. I think they were cyborgs. They were adapted because they were originally servants. They were two. They were penises. <laughs> they were penises in suits. <laughs> you did giggle. I seem to remember you giggling. Oh, they were so- <laughs> they didn't look good. <laughs> no, they didn't. Well, you did mention at one point the gimp outfits. Oh, God, yeah. Well, see, that's another reason I thought of Blake 7, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah. Let's, let's get all the leather and studs out. Yeah. <laughs> they had all these actors trying to emote, and they literally, they're covered head to toe in black. You exactly. Couldn't see their face You've got anything. nothing. Nothing to work with. Do you know yeah. what makes me laugh most about this, though? Is, yeah. as you said, the um, episodes all ran stupidly short. Yeah. For a story with episodes that short, there were an awful lot of loose ends and dead end plot points that could have been explored further 
Yeah. 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 There was definitely more story to be mined there. Mm. And there's so many scenes which were just long for no reason. Yeah. Lots of tragedy around the caves for no real reason other than to extend what little runtime they had. They had all these cave photos. They had to utilize (laughs) them. I think they were actually models for the most part. (laughs) Oh, God. Which is uh, quite clever in a way. But yeah, they tried their best with that. And the CSO is definitely better than it was in the Pertwee's time. You know, fringing and stuff like that. You can see the technology has improved, but it hasn't improved enough and it's easy to mock no. the look of the thing but it was 1977 78 you know yeah yeah and it very... wouldn't look nearly so bad on a little tv screen in the corner of the room 14 inch black and white at that point yeah. really black and white still in yeah we, we didn't Generally get our first our first color telly until 1979 well i will I no strike idea. you i don't remember having a black and white tv in the main living room yeah, the main living room we only <laughs> had the one telly we didn't have tellies in our bedrooms God. no i had a black and white tv i can't remember what age i had a black and white tv a little portable thing yeah well that was the 80s you know, yeah yeah that's probably the 80s on. by then but you needed it for computers and stuff <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything we good we can say about this <laughs> no I've, t- I've said my one good bit and that was Little louise jameson yeah, I, yeah I, louise I, jameson was good i've got it. to point out louise jameson being what eight or ten? Oh yeah uh, when she was when she was pacified she turned yeah. into like a, a <laughs> 10 year old and then went very yeah. violent yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I think we should also give a shout out to a Herrick, Alan yes. Lake. He seemed to be in a completely different program to the rest of his crew, <laughs> the other three. Well, I think he he actually did a little bit of research and read that it was meant to be Hercules, so mm. he was trying to be slightly more aggressively <laughs> Herculean. The scene where he was apparently killed, but not. Yeah. Mm. He's manly taking all those shots. <laughs> Hercules. Yeah. Go on then, what can you think of that's good to say about this? I'm trying to think. It's, it's <laughs> difficult. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Um... Tell you what, shall we, shall we ask our nice listeners? Yeah. Hello, listeners. Please tell us something nice about Underworld because we're struggling. You can do so by sending us an email to show at staggeringstories.net. Woohoo! Please can we stop talking about Underworld now? It hurts. <laughs> it's not as bad as Horns of Nymon. That's wonderful, Horns of Nymon. Brilliant story. <laughs> Time for another game, I think. Oh, excellent. Ooh. What should we play? I think a mystery Scrabble. game. A mystery game. Oh. Mystery game. Maybe things in five words. Okay. Uh. <laughs> should we do rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first, or okay. should I just do it? Okay, you just do it. Okay. First one. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a tricky one. Uh-huh. Curly Lank needs a wash. Mm, okay. Mm. Needs a wash. It's not shaggy, is it? No, it's not shaggy. <laughs> Curly Lank needs a wash. Hmm. I'll tell you, Keith, it's right under your nose. <laughs> right. I should say, uh, that sounds like I've insulted your moustache. <laughs> it's right in front of you. Curly Lank needs a wash. Head of Pertwee? Head of Pertwee's <laughs> hair. Ah! <laughs> well done. Head of Pertwee's hair. For listeners, the head of Pertwee is on the screen right in front of us, looming yep. behind Adam. Should we take <laughs> should we take this opportunity to greet him as his we uh, position demands? Probably should now we've broken him up. <laughs> One, two, three. Hello, Hello head of, of Pertwee. Pertwee. <laughs> Hello, can't we can't see anything else. We can't see Terence, no. we can't see the wonder no. that is cardboard Clara. Something over there. Could be Clara. <laughs> Go on then, Adam, it's your turn. Glowing ready brick style. Uh, <laughs> ooh, uh. Right, okay. 
Bob Holmes Future Unemployment Corridor. Bob Holmes Future Unemployment Corridor. Yes, Corridor P. P45. Yeah. Ah, P45. P45 routes, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, well done, you. Go on then, you'll go. Ah, this one will be easy. Easy, easy, You say that every time and we end up looking like doofuses. (laughs) Red and blue. Say it again. Red and blue city arachnid. Red and blue. Spider-Man? Yeah. Friends of the neighborhood, Spider-Man. That's very good. Told you it would be easy. Okay. Stag of light and courage. Oh. Patronus? Who's? Harry Potter's? Perfect. Excellent (laughs) answer. (laughs) I thought it was going to be a Game of Thrones thing. Nope. It was Harry Potter's Patronus. Yep. (laughs) Right. 31st century robot of animation. Mm. Okay. Think of some cartoon robots. Mm. 31st century one. Bender. Bender. Oh, that's a good one. Is it from Futurama, though? Not from Futurama. Boo. Hmm. 31st century robot of animation. Somewhat tangentially related to the Doctor Who story we just covered. Kind of. Roundabout. What, it's crap? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's quite well regarded, isn't it? Uh, Oh, 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 oh. It's, yeah, it's... Wuthering Heights? Was it like Ulysses 34? One or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, what was the name of the bloody robot? <laughs> seven Sark Seven? No. No, that no. was, that was Battle of the Planets. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> oh, and it was the robot from Ulysses 31. It was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was his name? name? What was his name? No, no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Not Nunu. No, no. So <laughs> half a point for that. Yeah, yeah. Go on then, husband. Undercity slices of time. Ooh. Undercity slice. Is it the, um, the various mm. hills of Troy? No. Okay. Was it the various hills of Rome? No. Okay. Undercity slices of time. Can we have a clue? Is it a Doctor Who thing? No. Okay. Is it a real life thing? No. <laughs> it was a one-off story. It's only been shown once, I think. And it's also a radio play recently. Oh, crikey. Mm. When was the one-off story shown? Uh, about the 90s. Oh, have I seen oh, it? Uh, oh, yeah. Hang on. Something to do with Neil Gaiman's... Um, yeah, yeah. Neverwhere. Neverwhere. Ah, that's very good. <laughs> we should have got that a lot quicker. Yeah, we should have done, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, chaps, we'd like to know. No, we wouldn't, because we don't care. Okay, oh, chaps. Yeah. That's harsh. Okay, chaps, we'd like to hear some of your things in five words. Send us the clues and we'll try and guess the answers. Then you can mm-hmm. mock us. They're mocking <laughs> us anyway. Yeah. Deserve it, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, after the disaster that was Underworld, we mm-hmm. set ourselves another challenge. Mm. And this was to listen to mm. some Blake 7 audios. Mm-hmm. Have it for me. Yes. We, we have recently got in. Pause for music. Sorry. So we have recently got into the big finish Blake 7s. We have... We have, because the ones we've listened to have been rather good. So we started off with Crossfire Part 1. Yes. 
which is a four-story box set, ultimately 12 stories in this semi-season, which Big Finish did back in 2017 or so. While I'm being grumpy about Underworld, I'd like to be grumpy about the second story. True Believers. Yeah, the Cali Cali story. Yeah. Now, I adore Big Finish. This was Big Finish, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. The I've, media. I've adored mostly everything they've put out. You have. This story, oh my word. Oh, really? I didn't enjoy this one at all. I, I found the dialogue stilted. Some of it was borderline embarrassing. It, I can only put it down to the dialogue, really, because I had no problem with the acting. Um, mm. And I had no problem with the concept of the story. But I just found it, yeah, difficult to... Listen to. Listen to. Okay. Yeah. Each of the four written by different people. So Sorry, number two, but I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know if we should name them or not. But... <laughs> <laughs> the first one, admit, though, was excellent. Yeah. Of the three, four, rather, uh, the second one was definitely the one I found hardest to Get keep through. my attention, I think. Mm. Yeah. Which is a shame. But yeah, if we go back to the beginning, then, so the first one is Paradise Lost which finds the Liberator crew with a, a tip-off that Servlan, or or the President, I should say. Yeah, the President. has gone to Aeowan, which is an old pleasure planet which has fallen into ruin. Uh, Much to Villa's annoyance. So they thought they'd go there and uh, try to take her out. But it turns out it's not Servlan. <gasps> no. Dun, dun, dun. It was the former President. It was the former President, who yes. Who kept referring to Servlan quite wonderfully as a, an upstart. The usurper. <laughs> a, a usurper. <laughs> yeah. Definitely no love. I've lost there. <laughs> and I'm not sure which of them would be a worse president, though. He wasn't a nice no, man. No, <laughs> no. Well, he was the president back when the series first started, presumably. Mm. Yeah. He was the one who was overthrown by Servlan yeah. somewhere at the beginning of the Star 1 episode. So he didn't yeah. exactly have clean hands. No, then. no. He, no, he, not at all. Uh, no. I think the president did appear in the TV series, at least one episode. So I think it was a different actor mm. in this one. Because the, the one with the, um, the shadows, the little discs... Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it turned out he was a drug, uh, head of a drugs running out- outfit. <laughs> well, you've got, oh, to have okay. a, got to have a job on the side. Uh, a hobby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Needs to make a bit of money somewhere. This entire trilogy of box sets is all about a civil war with the old president attempting to get his job back, effectively. Yeah. Attempting to uh, overthrow this usurper, Servlan. <laughs> and this is the beginning of that. I'm assuming that this president has popped up before in the box sets because they were fairly familiar with each other. I'm not sure, yeah. It, probably not in the box set. Maybe in one of the, uh, well, one of the talking book box sets, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Liberator Chronicles, perhaps, yeah. Not certain about that. Because you, you definitely got the feeling that they had past history. Yeah, and I think the crew know him by face. Certainly, I seem to remember uh, Dana recognising him. Yeah. Yes, whether they actually met or whether she just blamed him as a proxy or, you know. And I'm hand. just saying she wasn't in the episode with the president from the TV series. Yeah, if, if he'd been her hunting time. her father, yeah. then it, yeah, might just, yeah. it might just be as simple as he's seen them on a wanted poster and she, they've seen him on a coin. Possibly. You know? Expect they'd know what he'd look like. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they're quite a thorn in, who, in yeah. the uh, administration side, so... He'd yeah. be familiar well, with them. He did. He did say that he'd set Servalan on Blake and his group. Ah, yes. As presidents go, she's much more fun than he is. <laughs> I mean, she's yeah. an absolute psycho, but she's so much more fun. As far as we can tell, though, it's, it's his audio. I don't think he wears the dresses that she does. No, no, no. I don't know. You can imagine that, I suppose. It'd, they don't say he doesn't. But they don't mention quite he does. nicely. <laughs> no. <laughs> but talking of Dana quickly, uh, we should mention that the original cast are all back 
here. This is a, a series C, mm-hmm. yeah, the third season cast. But unfortunately, they couldn't persuade um, Gisette Simon. Yeah, thank you. To return, so instead they got Yasmin Bannerman to, to play Dana. Yeah, so she's she, the only one who isn't original cast. She did a fine job. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Personally, I, yeah, she did a fine job. I have no problem with that. I instantly recognised uh, Avon because Paul <laughs> Darrow's voice is distinctive. Yeah. It is older, but it's a distinctive voice. Yes. Same with uh, same with Villa. Yeah, I recognise. Yeah. I had trouble recognising Tarrant. Sometimes Tarrant does sound a bit like Villa. Yeah, I found. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to these a couple of times. Second time is no problem. I. I but uh, yeah, first time I, I listened to some modern Tarrant, I did think a couple of times, which one is that? Is that, yeah. is that Tarrant or is that Villa? Well, so the age does odd things yeah. to the vocal cords. Yeah. 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 One thing we yeah. forgot to mention last time was um, Blake 7 came out, what, 70, 78? And yeah, Callie is yeah. very much Leela yeah. in uh, attitude and vocalisation. Yeah, it's written the same way. Very, yeah. very right. concentrated, no... There's a lot of, you know, the noble savage about yeah. her. Yeah. And I, I don't really, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've never been an actor. I don't understand why Jan Chapel got fed up of um, Callie's telepathic abilities always getting her into trouble. I think that's, that's a, I've always thought that's a pretty cool way of getting into trouble. It, it was well, very yeah. underused during the series, but they're doing, they've done more uh, with it. Actually, no, I think it was very overused in the series. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> That is one of the problems I had with the middle one is yet again, Callie's telepathic abilities are dragging her into something she didn't really want to be a part of. But they use it better as well. Like um, when they were creeping up on one of the guards and she basically put a voice in his head. She spoke mm. to him in his head, told him, you know, sort of, you don't know where we're hiding. We might be right behind you. Yeah, they used <laughs> They used it differently in the first one, mm. but as I said, in the second one, it was fell back into the old tropes of let something take over or affect Callie. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, She's but, yeah, I, I agree with you with the first one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's when it makes her into a victim. I think it's, it becomes a problem. I think that is the that's the issue. Yeah, it's all very well being taken over, but if you can't fight your way back out of it and it belittles the character, then yeah. it does her a disservice. I agree. Yeah, and there is a bit of that in the second one, but I don't think it's too bad. I think actually the second one's got quite an interesting story to it. The basic premise being that Caddy's drawn to a world where there is a god, a voice of a god directing these people and it turns out there's actually an evil god which the federation has tried to create yeah it's clearly some sort of artificial being yeah but yes. like, like i said the concept the of that story i thought was good but it was just the Presenta- presentation yeah execution. i didn't yeah. enjoy yeah yeah and i also wanted to really going back to the first one i quite liked the ending they were tipped off by this woman who used to work at this uh, planet a1 yeah. The way that Avon resolves her failure to bring them to Serverland at the end of the first one, I thought was quite good. Remind me, did they shoot her? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I thought her, it he did. Her, <laughs> it's, it's cold a blood, very, yeah. It's a very Avon solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eliminate the problem. problem. <laughs> she was a bit too radical, a bit too Blakeish. Yeah, so he blew her away. And, and <laughs> too much of a natural it, leader. Yeah. There, there is a line: "Is that you're causing trouble on my ship?" Yeah. Well, that's the thing, because they all started listening to what she was saying to yeah, them, yeah. and they all started naturally gravitating to her, yeah, and that obviously. irked him somewhat. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> couldn't have that, yeah. 
And, you know, he made the excuse that that was a way to get them killed, you know, if they weren't careful. But really, it was she's playing with my toys. They're my toys. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have the the third one, which is a semi-sequel to um, one of the episodes from... Uh, second series of Blake 7 The System yeah but The System the original creators of The Liberator yeah it occurred to me listening to it they came across as uh, very Borg-like yeah. That not so much the obsession about augmenting everything, because <laughs> they had their slave cast. They did, but, they didn't do much to them. Yeah, but the hierarchy was very much um, sort of reflective uh, Borgish. Yeah, the altair, they, were, they yeah. were cyborgs, it turns out. Yeah. Which does make you wonder why they didn't at least put implants into the slaves to yeah, keep them yeah. in control. Those yeah. pain sticks are all well and good, but... <laughs> Just a little button... That'd be better. Yeah. This you're is, again, you're an, an evil dictator one. in the making, aren't you? You've only just figured <laughs> oh, yeah. that out. Yaval el presidente. The shock collar's got to be better than the, the shock stick, isn't it? Because yeah. distance. And if you can actually implant it in the head, then they can't get it out of this. Anyway. <laughs> Not unlike what they did with Gan, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so out of all of these, which was your favourite? Oh, clearly the fourth one. Yeah? Why? Villa, of course. <laughs> the fourth one's really interesting because it's Villa and Cali. It's yeah. quite yeah. a Cali box set, anyways. <laughs> they go to a space station which is about to be engulfed by the local star or whatever. Yeah. It's got minutes to, or hours to, to survive. And Villa being a total coward, he's yeah. got to go there and pretend to be confident, try to do his deal to, to buy these ships. And uh, a Cali comes along, gives him mental support to make him feel brave and uh... see that's a that's a good use yes that is yeah a good it use. is a really good use and it's great fun having villa as this confident <laughs> assertive character this non-villa character <laughs> yeah absolutely the and then every now villa. and then he reverts to his, his sniveling <laughs> cowardice <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing though but the two of them on in the series i always saw the relationship between villa and callie as a big sister with a very much younger brother sort of <laughs> yeah ruffling his hair and trying to keep him out of trouble and um not speaking down to him in a way mm. but i said villa was always brave and strong and noble and upright as long as there wasn't something big and frightening or any alcohol close by <laughs> yeah there's a particularly fun scene. Servlan is in this fourth and final one. She's also there trying to do a deal. Mm-hmm. Of course, ulterior motives on both parts. Nonetheless, there's this great scene with Servlan and Villa. Villa's trying to seduce Servlan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> She'd eat him alive and not in a good way. Well, she's there, Villa, are you okay? Well, this isn't you. <laughs> Have you See, been... of all the things to throw her off kilter, that it's would, that. Yeah. that would do yeah, it. Yeah. She could have handled Avon or Tarrant. She has done in the past. <laughs> yeah, having Villa, there's this confident uh, guy trying to chat her up. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant oh, stuff. Dear. So what's the name of this uh, box set? This is Crossfire Volume 1, or Part 1. And do we recommend it to our darling listeners yes i definitely do yes yeah. yes yeah is it still available from big finish do we know it is i'm on their website right now it's uh 29.99 to download 35 pounds on cd so not cheap but uh for quite a long stories well they're yeah. I think all over an hour oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely well over an hour the three box sets of 12 episodes are, are longer than the normal season of blake seven yeah <laughs> depressing <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah but yeah really good and it sets up this arc which goes through the next couple of box sets and you won't be surprised to hear is resolved in the final box set. Right, well, we'd like you chaps to listen to these. 
And yeah. give the second episode a go. I've, I'm probably just in a bad mood. <laughs> it's because of that game, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. And then when you've listened to them, we'd like you to write to us and tell us what you thought. Hmm. How can they do this, you ask? How can they do this? Thank you. <laughs> you can write to us via show at staggering stories dot net. We all got two. We got we two. Do, I know. <laughs> it's good yeah. not having the Right. Some of you have been writing to us again. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Especially you. That was very nice. Of you. We've Thanks. heard from Andrew Scott. <laughs> Hello, uh, Andrew, Andrew Scott. Andrew says, Dear all, hope you're all keeping safe and well in these troubled times. Thank what you. What with yeah. one thing and another. Yes. <laughs> yes. I hope Karen has recovered from her traumatic viewing experience at the hands of Dave Keep in connection <laughs> with her appearance on PDAIS. Oh, made, yes. He made us watch Annie. Oh. <laughs> the Commode and Mayo film review program meandered to talking about Hans Zimmer music and got mm. onto the subject of his lesser-known opus from 1983, Doctor in Distress. <laughs> what? <laughs> they listed the luminaries who participated in it and played a bit, also mentioning it failed to make the top 100 charts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made my mum go into our price and buy that for oh. me. I had no idea Hans Zimmer was involved in that. What? <laughs> <laughs> Listening to this, I couldn't help but recall my wife Ruth insisting I stop playing <laughs> Let's Save Confidential on a loop. <laughs> it didn't save Confidential, but I really liked it. <laughs> Thus followed a wandering of the internet looking for other Doctor Who-related ditties. Oh, yeah. YouTube gets quite mixed up between incidental music from the show, songs from the show such as The Long Song and Fox's Don't Stop Me Now from Mummy on the Orient Express. That was good. That was. And ones where the cast do silly things, <laughs> such as The Ballad of Russell and Julie <laughs> and 500 Miles. Yep. Oh, yeah. But there's some fun to be had listening and watching some of the music-related antics if you are of a mind. Oh, yeah. With regard to the show's incidental music, I don't miss Murray Gold saving me the trouble of working out what emotions <laughs> feel, but loved all of his Doctor and assistant themes and the music from the long song is heartbreaking Sega Nakanola is really beginning to grow on me and I look Hmm. forward to seeing what this Christmas New Year brings stay safe Andrew Scott thank you Andrew thank Thank you you. Andrew as it happened I was listening to the series 12 soundtrack earlier today Speaking of the long song, um, if you're of a mind, the Doctor Who lockdown gang led by, ooh, is it Emily from Doctor Who Monthly, did yep. um, a fan choir of the long song, including yes, a soprano, violinist, guitarist, and an awful lot of fans. And look it up. It is wonderful, and it made me cry. <laughs> yeah, I think Luke Harrison's wife is in that as well. Yeah? You're yeah. brilliant. I think I recognised her. <laughs> All right, we have one here from a Siobhan. Ooh, a Siobhan? A Siobhan. Is it, is it that Siobhan? <laughs> I believe we, it is. Do we need to ra- uh, wave our fists? Uh, uh. <laughs> That's lost on audio, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Siobhan! All that, that fisting action is lost. Dear The Staggering Stories, I should like to invite you to cast your minds back, back by millennia to before 2020 started. Oh, a long way. Back to the 1990s. Oh, for Christ's sake. Carefree days, yeah. You should remember, not you, Crumbly, not you here, 
that the so-called a real Keith Dunn wanted a book all about the TARDIS. He's got books all about the TARDIS. <laughs> Indeed, such was his enthusiasm, such a book, we ended up mercilessly mocking him for it. Well, stone me if it hasn't happened. The TARDIS Chronicles by Paul M.C. Smith is available right now. Ooh. It's a right old chunky, apparently. <laughs> However, I have a feeling that so-called will be ever so happy with it. Also, uh, she's wanting a shout-out for a thing she did with Peter Purvis. I saw uh, I'm that. a bit chuffed. It's a short interlude set just after the Time Meddler. And uh, she's included a link. We put it in the show notes. Yep. That was very, very good. Very good indeed. I still haven't seen it yet. I must watch it. But I, <laughs> I hate you for having told him there's another TARDIS book out. What the hell? <laughs> um, I've already got it. It's that one. It's that one. You're a Have you got it? <laughs> yeah. Not the, it's not the one with, with Tarka's console on the front. No. It's that. The big chunky one. Oh. Oh, oh that's not okay. so bad. Then I don't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they bring out volume two. They're bringing out volume two. Oh, hell. Because <laughs> this one only goes up to the I time. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Should have to have a look at that too. Anyway, you've all done, etc., etc. Siobhan. <laughs> Thank you, Siobhan. Any more uh, feedback? That's it. Yeah. Well, well, I think we might have something from Andy. Ooh. Ah, Crumbles. Let's get it on. Hello, Crumbly here with another edition of Crumbly's Corner, my lockdown haven where I can share my thoughts and sentiments without getting talked over by fake Keith. As my erstwhile colleagues of this site have been discussing Doctor Who Underworld, I thought I'd give my pennies worth on it. This is another episode I remember seeing on its initial airing back in the uh, late 1970s with bonkers Tom Baker as the Doctor and leader now wearing an outfit made from a newer set of chamois leathers, find themselves on a ship on a millennia-long quest for the seed bank ship that will restart their uh, long-dead race. Being rejuvenated thousands of times wasn't any more fun for one of the crew, Tala, who thought she could get away with sitting on her bridge command section and quietly die of old age. Another crewman, Herrick, seemed to be the most animated of the lot and was uh, starting to uh, chafe slightly at his uh, millennia-long uh, journey. One thing that does state this episode is the scene where Tala is working out some calculations on something that looks suspiciously like a Sinclair pocket calculator, which was all the fashion back in the mid to late 1970s. We don't get to see what the object of their quest, the grandiosely named P7E, looks like, and it has become a small planet due to the amount of space rock and debris that has formed over it due to accretion. All manner of uh, chaos then ensues, but the Doctor and his newfound chums emerge victorious. The most notable scenes that stick in my mind are as follows. When some of the crew of the R1C go on an EVA upon arrival, the felt-covered helmets they don remind me of an old waste paper basket that my parents used to own back in the early 1970s. Another thing that sets out this episode is there's um, a lot of uh, colour separation overlay used in this episode. Most of it is done to good effect, but sometimes you do see some of the various characters' extremities uh, disappear temporarily. Now, I must dwell fervently on the overseers and the guards that have been featured in this episode. The costume department must have gone on a day trip to certain shops in Soho for inspiration for the guards' costumes. Let's just say there is more than a hint of fetish wear with all those gimp masks and sort of hoods with holes in that were being worn. Anyway, what is it with Doctor Who and shoulder pads? I think the guards and overseers have been taking fashion tips from the Draconians. They must have got inspiration from either the female cast of Dynasty or American gridiron football players with shoulders that can only be measured in yards as opposed to inches. I also think there was an unfortunate uh, coincidence when the two overseers pulled off their hoods and I was temporarily confused between Minyans and Minions. 
Blimey, these two just needed to be yellow and wearing dungarees for Gru to claim, yeah, claim them as his own. Another slight faux pas is the fact that the baddie of the piece, the computer intelligence known as the Oracle, raises chuckles from fake Crumbly and myself, as we're currently watching reruns of the comedy series Benidorm, where Johnny Vegas' character is the all-Lancashire pub quiz champion, known as, you guessed it, the Oracle. However, all's well that ends well, and the crew of the R1C, bolstered by the uh, all the former slaves of the P7E, carry on with their voyage to Minos 2, a mere 300 years or so away. Now, on to a brief note about Blake 7, Crossfire. Again, the crew of the Liberator make a welcome return, but this is set after Blake and Jenna have left to start a little revolutionary war of their own. However, Del Tarrant and Dana Mellenby step up to the plate. Old habits die hard, and Tarrant is soon haranguing Villa, and Avon is none too gently telling Villa not to get plastered while in charge of the teleporter controls. As for the cast, getting back into the old roles is just like putting on a comfy pair of slippers as they are up against the former president of the Federation and his allies, the 13th Legion of Federation troops, who wish to overthrow Servaland and reinstall uh, him in the presidential palace again. The president even cannot mention Servaland by name without his eyelid twitching and his head ticking and simply refers to her as the usurper. Blake 7 Crossfire is a rather weighty compendium to listen to, but stick with it as it is worth it in the end. Anyway, that's enough of my wittering on, but hopefully I shall be back in the studios with the rest of the team for the next podcast. Until then, this is me, Crumbly, saying, be seeing you. Well, as always, Crumbly comes right to the point. <laughs> Indeed, so, yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of succinct things. Yep. Thank you, Crumbly. We hope to see you soon. Yep. Take Indeed. care. Yep. And what an opinion on the underworld that was too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so that brings us to the end of another podcast. But fear not, next time there'll be more of the same. Mm. More fun, (laughs) frivolity and jollity, more news and reviews, more who old and new. So until that, give me a letter. N. Nightmarish number of nuns. (laughs) Complete with novices. (laughs) And numpties. And numpties. (laughs) Make their nocturnal way towards us. This is me, Fake Heath, saying farewell. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Staggering Stories podcast, series one, number 345, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, Fake Keith, and the real Keith Dunn. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers on the site. No copyright infringement is intended. This is an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. Charming. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't think of anything else, see? No, it's just, oh. It's a product of its time. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Stupid. Skyfall. No Judy Dench, though. Uh. The regeneration in the machine. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention the regeneration. That's true. Oh. It wasn't really regeneration, it was more of a renewal, wasn't renewal, it? Renewal, yeah. yeah. She was just the same person with less makeup on. Her rather dodgy aging makeup. <laughs> less late. Imogen, whatever her name was. Imogen I think I'll tell you one thing, though. When she passed out and yeah. they lay her on that table thing, yeah. it wasn't exactly comfy looking, no, was it? Let's no. prop our head up at a really weird angle. Yeah. The table was about half length of her. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, give me my notebook. Um, I'll give you a page. Uh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
My pen is smelly. Your pen is smelly. <laughs> he still looks like Colonel Sanders' younger he does. brother. I feel like <laughs> ordering chicken from him. <laughs> and not allowed to shave yet. I'm not sure lockdown's over. What? <laughs> Is it a bet or something? <laughs> <laughs> I made the agreement, still lockdown's over, I will not get shaved. I'd trim a bit, maybe. <laughs> Your pubes must be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, three once. Yeah. 31st. 31st. Yeah, we'll yeah. allow that. I got away with mother in law, so you can have 31st. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Even though it's hyphenated. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I've got a cat on my back. Oh. Dear Liza, dear Liza, I've got a cat on That's my enough. back. Dear Liza, <laughs> monkey. a cat. This is an El Presidente production at www.staveringstories.net. I feel that that was lacking because you've read the, it. The, the emotion. There yeah, was no, wasn't no there. emotion the, there. You haven't yeah. got the blind panic yeah. of trying to remember the yeah. next <laughs> word as you said the first yeah. word. Yeah. yeah.